0: Good morning. Thank you for being with us. You can be seated. There is so much pollen up here that I'm dusting off the podium before I begin preaching this morning. This is terrible. Who had the bright idea of us being outside this morning? Thank you for being with us, regardless of how it is that you're gathered. Just a reminder, uh, next Sunday will actually be our last uh, outdoor option, we hope and pray. Uh, so we do have that next Sunday, though. We want to make sure that uh, if you would like to visit with us next Sunday, if you'd like to invite family members or whomever you want to bring with you, there is no reason that we won't have room. Next Sunday is going to look different, though. Um, when you pull in, we we may we probably will send you out a cal- not a calendar, but a map at some point this week just to help you. Uh, worship is going to be out front in front of the sanctuary next Sunday. Then, um, uh, if, if, if need be, there will be a tent there to help us with that. But that will be the plan next Sunday morning for our sunrise service as well as for our regular morning service. It will all be on the front lawn this way as well as indoor and online. So, all those things will continue to be available beginning the Sunday after Easter. So, two weeks from today, though, everything will be inside. We will continue to have an option for you guys uh, to, to worship in the gymnasium area as well so that we can create as much distancing as is possible. We hope and pray that many of you are getting your, uh, your vaccines and all those other things so that we can continue to experience uh, really what we're, we're not trying to talk much about a return to normal. But really just a moving forward, an opportunity for us to move forward and and make a difference. So we're grateful for that. Uh, This is Palm Sunday, which means that we've got Easter week in front of us. We do have a Good Friday service planned for this coming Friday at 6 o'clock. It's going to be something very different than what you're used to. It's going to be a solemn service, so you'll come in. There'll be a lot of scripture readings and taking the Lord's Supper. We invite you to participate with us in that next Sunday morning sunrise service is at seven thirty. We do have uh, biscuits being brought in for breakfast next Sunday morning and then we have life groups and regular worship at 10 30. So that's our schedule for the next week. There's also something special for the kids this Wednesday night at six o'clock. So uh, make sure that uh, you're participating. I- I'm glad that all of you are looking at me who are outside and you can't see the clouds of pollen that are just moving our way. It's a uh, Hey, be grateful for those masks. You may want to put them on outdoors (laughs) before we finish. All right, if you have your Bible, we are in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. And just in case... um, Oh, mercy. Things are blowing away. Just in case we forget how important children's ministry is, how important it is for us to train our children, do you know that I can't read the book of Samuel without remembering... Uh, skits that we did as a kid. How many of you can remember a skit that you did as a kid when the Lord was calling Samuel and there was somebody somewhere that just stood on the side and screamed, Samuel! Samuel, just think about those things as we consider how important it is for us to train and teach our children in these manners. I know, am I green yet? I look like I'm at the Masters. First Samuel chapter 8. Beginning in verse 1. Here now, for this is the word of the Lord. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel. The name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, "'Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways.'" only you shall solemnly warn them and shall sh- shall show them and sh- and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them let's pray together father god i pray that we lord god on this palm sunday would be reminded of the loving kindness the goodness that comes to us in king jesus we pray that prayer in the name of christ amen here we are on Palm Sunday, and some of you are wondering why in the world we're in the book of Samuel on Palm Sunday. And the reason we're in the book of Samuel is because that's where we are in our Bible reading. And I think there's a great lesson for us to consider as we look at this picture of Israel rejecting Samuel and ultimately rejecting the Lord. This morning I've titled this sermon, A King Like No Other. And the question that we're wrestling with is not a complete or or good sentence at all, but hopefully it captures for us what's really important this morning. And, And it is this, do you have the king you want or the king you need? The king you want or the king you need? We live in a time where our country is experiencing incredible division. Some have said that this is the most divided our country has been since the Civil War. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that it is a time of great challenge and strife. I know that today is also eerily reminiscent of the time that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Last year on Palm Sunday, I stood in that sanctuary and I stared into a camera. And I said to you these words, Jesus arrived in Jerusalem during a time of great expectation. N.T. Wright compares the arrival of Jesus to a perfect storm. There was a Roman storm brought about by the imperialism and control of the Roman Empire, there's a Jewish storm that arose from their nationalistic and religious hopes. Left alone, these two forces served to keep Jerusalem and Judea in a sort of quagmire. Jewish nationalism and messianic hopes resulted in regular uprisings and efforts to throw off the chains of Roman oppression. And make no mistake about it, for a people whose ancestors had seen God rescue them from Egypt with His strong right hand, There was little doubt that God could do the same with Rome. And it's into this quagmire, this situation that Jesus rides. And Jesus' arrival represents the arrival of a perfect and really incredible storm. This year on Palm Sunday, I want us to remember that storm that Jesus rode into. I want us to remember the storm that Jesus brought when he arrived. See, it's more accurate to say that Jesus didn't just ride into that storm. He brought it with him, and when he arrived in Jerusalem, he arrived as the king they needed, but not necessarily as the king that they wanted. Remember, Jesus arrived to crowds that waved palm branches and shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I worked with our kids this past Wednesday night. And I gave them a picture, hopefully, of what it would have been like to have been in Jerusalem on that day. And what I said to them is that the people who worshipped Jesus when he arrived sought to give him something of a red carpet treatment. As Jesus rode into town, they waved the palm branches and they laid them in front. They pulled off their outer cloaks and they laid them on the ground so that that donkey upon which he rode could ride across their garments. But not everyone was as eager and excited for his arrival There was not just one group of people in Jerusalem. It's true that crowds can be fickle, but y'all, we should not buy into sort of the idea that the same people who celebrated his arrival on Sunday were screaming for his crucifixion on on Friday. The more likely truth is that the crowd that demanded his crucifixion on Friday was not the same as the one rolling out the red carpet. There were these competing groups in Jerusalem. Maybe not all, all that different, from the competing groups that we see in our own day and time. There were those who longed for a deliverer, those who were living under oppression. There were those who feared that a Jewish king might bring down the wrath of Rome. And then there were those who were padding their pockets from Roman rule and didn't want anything to change. And it's into this environment that Jesus wrote on Palm Sunday and upset the status quo. It's into this environment that Jesus comes to us this morning. He came then as the king we needed, even if he wasn't the king that we wanted. And today he is the king you need, even if he isn't the king that you want or the one that you expected. This makes great connection for us this morning with the story of Saul in the Old Testament. As the nation of Israel was transforming from the time of the judges through the period of the priestly rule, the people began to long for more. They wanted a king, a king who would rule over them. But not simply a king who would rule over them. They longed for a king who would make them like the other nations around them. They didn't want a king who would be good for them. They wanted a king who would, quote, judge us like all the nations. Israel had displaced kingdoms and nations under God's rule, and yet Israel wanted what someone else had. Israel looked across her fence and saw greener grass and decided that That must be where we need to be. So I ask you today, are you willing to accept the Jesus that you need? Are you still trying to twist Jesus into a king after your own desires? Are you willing to accept the God who has brought you this far? Or are you looking at your neighbors saying, I want what they have? What does Jesus look like? Who is he? How is, is it that we can have this king that we need and not just the king that we want? Let's look into those things this morning. The first thing I think we should think about as we look at this passage in 1 Samuel, we should consider the motives of our leaders. When you consider what it means to be a Christ follower, consider the motives of those who are teaching and leading you. Who do you look to for leadership? What are their motives in life? Are these people who are leading and teaching because at their core they want to honor the Lord? They want to care well for you? Israel demanded new leadership because the priests who were leading them were corrupt. That makes sense, right? When they looked at these priests, they said, we need new leadership. We need something different. But you know what often happens is we tend to swing a pendulum from one extreme all the way to the next. And so rather than having a a, a priestly class, they said, no, no, no. Rather than us being ruled in the way that God has set us up up to this point, we want something completely different. And we look at the nations around us and we like what they have. We want that when they demanded change, they didn't demand that they get a leader who would lead them closer to the Lord. No, they wanted to look like everyone else. Samuel, give us someone who will help us to look more like the Joneses. Samuel, give us somebody who will keep us from feeling like outcasts. I got a call from a guy one time on a pastor search committee. He called me not for me. He called me to ask me about one of their candidates. And and when he called me and we began that conversation, he said, what we're really looking for is somebody that we can talk to. Just a guy just like us. I said to him, I said, man, that's that's really good. It's a great quality for a pastor. To have a pastor should be approachable. He should be affable. I said, but is that really the primary qualification that you're after? That this is just somebody that I can go sit down with? After George Bush was elected, they did a lot of research to figure out how it was that George W. Bush was elected. You know what they identified as the number one reason for most people? It was, it was captured in this sentence. Most people who apparently had voted for George W. Bush said, he seems like the kind of guy I could go and drink a beer with. That was what they said about him. Right? Folks, when we think about what it is for us to have leadership in our lives, and especially when we think about who it is that's leading us towards Christ, it's shaping us spiritually. Folks, we've got to do more than simply find somebody that makes us feel good. We've got to do more than simply find somebody who helps me to look more like my neighbor or more like those folks across the street. We've got to consider what their motives are. Why is it that these people are leading us? Consider the motives of your leader. Are you, uh, are you attaching yourselves to people who want you to look more like Jesus or want you to look more like them? Are you attaching yourself that want you to look more like Jesus or want you to vote in a certain way? Are you attaching yourself to people that want you to look more like Jesus or want you to live a certain kind of life or give a certain amount of money or do this or do that? The Bible says that we need leaders, especially spiritual leaders, who have as their goal making us more and more conformed to the image of Jesus. But for the people of Israel, they said, Give us a king who will make us like the people around us. Woe be it! If we find ourselves considering the motives of our leaders and not looking for leaders that will drive us to be more like Jesus, but for leaders that, you ready, will help us to be a little bit better version of the self that we've already created ourselves to be. Lord, send me somebody who will help me to be everything I've ever wanted to be. We need leaders who are going to come to us and help us to be everything God ever wanted us to be. Regardless of how comfortable or uncomfortable that makes us. Second thing this morning, we need to look at our own hearts. Let me ask you this. Are you worshiping the king you want to worship or the king that you need? Left unchecked, our hearts create for us a God that looks like us. I've told you all this before, right? If I'm not careful, when I pray, Jesus begins to look a lot like Craig Thompson. Begins to think a lot like Craig Thompson. Begins to act a lot like Craig I know some of y'all are rolling your eyes. But y'all are only rolling your eyes because if you're not careful, Jesus looks like you. When I spoke with our children this week, Rhonda had come to me. I wish you could see my iPad. It's yellow. I'm having a hard time seeing through the pollen. I appreciate those of you that are suffering with me. We are suffering for the Lord together out here today. When when I I spoke with the kids, Rhonda said, Craig, I'd, I'd like for you to come spend some time with the kids. She said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to speak to them as if you are a man living in Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, explain what it would have felt like, what you would have experienced, what the sights, the smells, the experience would have been. And I'm not really good at acting. I don't, I don't play the part. I don't dress up very well. She told me I needed to get a costume. And I think sometimes she just does that to see if she can get a picture of me and put it on social media. But I got to thinking about exactly how I could communicate with our kids. And I want to explain to you what a first century Jewish man would have looked like living, a Middle Eastern man living in Jerusalem would have looked like. He would have looked absolutely nothing like Craig Thompson. Absolutely nothing. The average height in that day was about five foot five. The average weight would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 140 or 145 pounds on a good day. The diet would have consisted of mostly bread, a little bit of fish, Some olives, some other fruits and dates. But mostly it's bread. Low protein, low experience of of those kinds of things. Let me tell you what Craig Thompson looks like. Six foot one, 235 pounds of carnivorous uh, appetite. I have a red beard that is, I like to think, conservatively highlighted with silver. I've got blue eyes and light Colored hair-ish with lots of gray. I look nothing like a Middle Eastern man in the first century. That means Jesus looks nothing like me in the physical form. Do you understand that? Like, when we have these images, these pictures in our mind that Jesus was some kind of like man's man, that, no, he, he wasn't. By by. By 21st century American standards of, of, of uh, average size, Jesus would have been very small and scrawny. He, he would have been scraggly. He would have had a full long beard. It would have been dark. Why is it that when we pray, Jesus looks like us? Because our hearts are idol factories. And our hearts left to themselves construct gods that are in our own image. Dane Ortlund has written a really wonderful new book called Gentle and Lowly, and in that he says this is why we need a Bible. He says, our natural intuition can only give us a God like us. The God revealed in the scripture deconstructs our intuitive predilections and startles us with one whose infinitude of perfections is matched by his infinitude of gentleness. Isn't that something? We need this book. Because this book resets, resets our brain, our mind, our experiences. This book for us constructs a God who is wholly other than us. W-H-O-L-L-Y and H-O-L-Y. He is holy, completely, and totally different from us. He is glorious and magnificent and wonderful. Folks, I ask you today: do you worship the God of this Bible? Do you worship the king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey or do you worship a king of your own creation? This is the struggle. This is the problem, the danger that Israel found themselves in. Samuel, give us a king like the other nations. Samuel, give us a king that we have created for ourselves in our brain. Samuel, fulfill for us this mental image. Jesus arrived and people didn't accept him. Why? Because Jesus didn't look like the king they wanted. Period. Did a devotion this past week for uh, Holy Week. And that, that, that devotion was with a group of pastors. And I spoke of one of the sayings from the cross. And it was that saying from Jesus when he looked at the the, the thief beside him. He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. And in preparation for that, I, I came across... Some really good notes that spoke of how this picture paints for us something of the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit of God. Because it could only be a miraculous work of God's Holy Spirit that could have caused a thief hanging on a cross to have looked to another person who had been beaten, brutalized. He was bleeding, he was gross, he was dirty, he was sweaty. He was nude and he hung there upon a cross and this thief looked and saw not a ragged shape of a man. This thief instead saw the Savior of the world. Do you understand what an incredible work of God it must have been in that man's life for him to behold something other than an object of scorn but instead to have beheld an object of salvation? The Jesus of the Bible doesn't look a whole lot like the Jesus of our imagination, but that's because he is infinitely better. Israel is you, and Israel is me. We are Israel. And we have this tendency, just like Israel, to construct a God in our own heart. Look at your heart. Are you looking for the right kind of king? why and finally this morning we trust god's hand and i think the reason that we often don't look for the right kind of king i think that the reason that we often don't even consider the motives of the people who are leading and teaching us is because truthfully we just don't trust the lord israel didn't go to samuel and say give us god's man They didn't go to Samuel and say, God knows what's best. No, they said, give us someone to make us like the nations around us. So they got what they went for. They got a good-looking king. The Bible says that Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else. Saul stood out in a crowd. Saul was a warrior. Saul was popular. He was a leader. He wasn't always everything they needed, but by and large, he fit the mold. As a matter of fact, he even ruled like the kings around him. He honored the Lord when it was convenient. He honored the Lord when it brought him political clout. And and the moment that the people began to leave him, what did Samuel do? Or excuse me, Saul. The moment that things began to turn a little bit sideways, Saul said, I can take this on my own. Y'all don't leave me. Trust me, me and God are tight. The moment that the crowd began to turn against him, Saul used God, not in worship. He used God to get his own ways. looks a lot like leadership in our day, doesn't it? And it looked a lot like leadership in his day, worldly leadership. He even grew jealous and insecure like the kings around him. When David became successful, Saul didn't give away leadership and celebrate David's success. Instead, like The other kings of the ancient world, Saul sought to mitigate or to malign David's name and to kill him. Saul was just like the kings around him. Israel got exactly what they wanted. Israel didn't trust in God to give them the leader they needed, they trusted in their own desires. Well, you know, we do the same thing when we don't trust God to give us what we need. Instead, we go to the Lord and say, Let me tell you what I need. God, give it to me. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. Israel said, and so often we say, God, here are my desires. If you will grant me my desires, Lord, then God, I will honor you. It's just entirely backwards from what God's expectations are. And it's entirely backwards from Palm Sunday. Because Palm Sunday turns the world completely upside down. Into a world of political strife rides not a king seated high on a white horse, but a suffering servant, humble, mounted on, as Buster read this morning, a colt, even the foal of a donkey. Riding in, not the king they wanted, not the king that we want, but the king that we need. A king not to deliver us from Roman rule. A king not to give us political power. But a king to save us from the tyranny of ourselves. A king to save us from the tyranny of sin. a king to save us from eternal punishment. We say, God, here are our desires. And if you will grant them, that we will honor you. But God says, I am the king you need, not the one you want. God demands that we play according to his rules, but when we do, he blesses us and he gives us the desires of our heart. This is the backwards economy of God's rule. Not get what you want and honor him, but instead honor him. And God gives to us the desires of our heart. Sometimes what the Lord does is he changes the desires of our heart, he brings them more in line. With His ways and His will. And what we discover on the back end is that our desires have been misguided, misdirected. So in conclusion, I say to you, it's Palm Sunday. It is Palm Sunday. I wore my tie and what is now a green jacket today. Because it's Palm Sunday. Today we celebrate the beginning of Holy Week, of Easter, of the resurrection. Today we begin the process of looking forward, looking ahead to the remembrance of Christ's crucifixion and the celebration of His resurrection. It's Palm Sunday and I ask you, are you worshiping the Jesus of the Bible or are you still trying to demand that Jesus look like Are you conforming yourself into his image or commanding that he conform himself into yours? Crowds are fickle. And in part, Jesus was crucified because he didn't look like the expectation of many of the people in Jerusalem at that time. He just looked like a humble peasant. What the people didn't know was that God was interested in a man after his own heart. What the people didn't know or they weren't willing to hear is what Israel didn't know. See, Saul was the king they wanted, but David was the king they needed. You're going to see that as you work your way through First and 2 Samuel. That Saul was a man after his own desires. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Saul was a man who looked the part and David was a man who looked like a shepherd. Saul looked like a strong warrior and David looked like a weasel. There was nothing in David that caused people to say, That's our king! But there was one thing in David that caused God to say, That's my man. Because the Lord looks not at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so this morning on Palm Sunday, that's my question for you. Where is your heart Do you find yourself having the heart of Israel? Give us a king that looks like my neighbor's. Give me, God, a Jesus that looks like my desires. Or do you find yourself falling in line with God's plans? Lord God, give me a savior that I need even if he's not the one I want. Are you ready yet to lay your burdens before A king mounted on a donkey, to lay palm branches and to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, regardless of whether or not he looks like you, regardless of whether or not he fits your expectations. The incredible thing about the way that God works in our lives is He often works completely opposite to our expectations. He's not what we expect, but when we surrender ourselves to the Lord, we discover that He's more than we ever believed we could get. And He's everything we need. Palm Sunday is a remembrance of the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. He had set his face toward Jerusalem. He rode to Jerusalem to die on a cross for our sins. And this Sunday I ask you this question. Have you allowed Jesus to come into your life? Have you allowed Jesus to completely change your expectations? Have you allowed Jesus to save you? If you're here today, outside or inside, if you're watching online, And you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, if you have no confidence that you would go to inherit an eternal life with the Lord. If you were to die today, you know that you would die in your sin. Separated from Christ. I want to invite you today to come and allow Jesus to come into your life. Just as he came into Jerusalem. Perhaps you're here today and you say, Craig, I I, I really do believe that I'm a Christian. But Craig, I've not lived for the Lord for days, weeks, months, years. Craig, there's sin in my life. I want you to hear me say this. The king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey will carry your burdens with him. You've not sinned beyond his love. See, we construct a Jesus in our hearts that's always angry. A Jesus that we can never live up to. But the Jesus of the Bible is very different. The Jesus of the Bible says, Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A donkey bore the burden of the Savior into Jerusalem. But listen to me, the Savior will bear your burdens to the cross of Calvary. And he will give you rest. If you're here with us in person today and you'd like to pray with a pastor, if you're here with us in person today, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're going to stand in just a moment. We're going to sing. I'll be standing right over here outside. I'd love to pray with you. One of our pastors will be down front in the sanctuary. They'd love to pray with you. However it is that we can minister to you, we want to do that. Because we believe that Jesus is the King we need. Even when. Maybe even especially when he's not even the king that we want. And we believe that he loves us and he loves you anyway. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would draw people to yourself. Father, I pray that people that have heard this sermon today would, instead of feeling judged, Lord God, would feel called by the Lord Jesus. That, Lord God, today they would hear a message of hope Of a king who loves them anyway and will grant forgiveness and peace. Of a king, Lord God, who would humble himself to the point of death on a cruel cross so that we, Lord God, might have life forevermore. Work among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us this morning as we sing.